Hello and welcome to The Lou Review. This is your host, Rosa, and I'm here with Leo Fonte, the owner and operator, I'm going to say, of Fonte's Coffee. It is a gorgeous coffee shop here in off of Grinstead. And can you tell us, Leo, what Fonte's Coffee brings to the market that sets it apart as a coffee restaurant? Sure, yeah. Roastery. Um, Happy to do that. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Monte's Coffee is the culmination of 44 years of um, industry work, uh, being part of the Coffee Association nationwide. Um, I saw an opportunity in our market, which, you know, Louisville is a mature coffee market. It's, it's, we have a great coffee culture here. Yeah. So there's a lot of really good coffee houses in Louisville and, you know, um, but I noticed that in the Louisville um, area, there was no true European style coffee house. Oh. So there's a lot of coffee shops in Louisville, mm-hmm. but no real true coffee houses. Which, what would you say is the main difference between a coffee shop and a coffee house then? Well, the real difference between a coffee shop and a coffee house is coffee shops are typically in retail, you know, kind of settings, mm-hmm. maybe along Bargetown Road, maybe along Frankfurt Avenue. They're typically in a store front, you know, along with other businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, many of them have drive throughs um, but none are in a hundred-year-old home. <laughs> which makes it a coffee house. Is and that it, what normally they If you go to Europe, Europe, yeah, if you go to Europe, a lot of the coffee houses in Europe are old homes, old historic buildings, mm-hmm. you know, they're architecturally significant, they're, you know, usually beautiful by design. They um typically give you a very warm inviting feel when you walk in just like if you were going into your grandma's house. Oh. So um, you know, it's a different mindset. It's not paper cups and plastic lids <laughs> through a little window and a hurried up, you know, here's your coffee. Thank you very much. And mm-hmm. off on your way. It's more of a come in and sit on a comfortable soft seat, mm-hmm. relax a little bit, unwind from the world out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bring a good book you know, on the weekend, kick your feet up and stay. You know, you don't have, have to Have a leave. quiet conversation with somebody. Exactly. Have a great conversation. You know, it's um, the, the whole coffee house culture and the whole coffee house concept was built around being a community gathering spot mm-hmm. so that people in the neighborhood could come and they could sit in this house where they feel comfortable and maybe on a couch or next to the fireplace or in a front window that overlooks the park like we have and you know have a beautiful view an unhurried place that you know people can kind of come in and relax and share ideas Mm. um you know and um build community and that's kind of you know our mission was to bring that true european style coffee house to louisville kentucky when you come in and we serve you here you know your coffee is served in a one pound three ounce preheated to 202 degree ceramic mug oh my 
They empty the mug after they preheat it, and then they pour the hot coffee in at 200 degrees. Yeah. And so it keeps the coffee hot. It's served on a saucer with a lace dually mm-hmm. and a Danish butter cookie because that's just the way it's done. And, um, you know, it gives you the vibe of kind of an old school, lost kind of relaxing experience it's more than just going to a coffee house or coffee shop and drinking (laughs) you know your coffee out of a paper cup and a plastic lid it's uh, if you served it that way in europe they'd laugh at you they'd be like what are you what are you doing so i won't ask what starbucks does over there yeah (laughs) well it's paper cups and plastic lids but you kind of alluded to um 44 years in the coffee industry specifically. So how did you get into coffee, Leo? I started in coffee basically back in 1978. And when I got started, um, it was because of a friendship that I developed uh, with a classmate at Trinity High School. His name was Tony Conti. And Tony and I... Is he related to anybody named John? He is John's son. (laughs) So. Um, I was in Tony's wedding and I met his father and his father asked me, you know, what I was doing. I was working at um, an A&P Atlantic and Pacific Tea Company, which was a grocery chain here in town. And they're no longer here, but they served coffee as well. And so that's what I did. I fell in love with coffee there. Um, You know, it was at the end of every checkout aisle was a grinder. And as the customers would come through the store, we would grind their eight o'clock coffee fresh and people would come in. And I always noticed how many customers would tell us, we love coming to this grocery store because of the way it smells. Well, the Mm -hmm. first smell they smelled was fresh ground coffee. And so, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it just set their grocery chain apart from other grocery chains. And they sold a tremendous amount of coffee and tea. Okay, I, I would love some insight into what was it like in 1978 in Louisville. Yes, here, yes. Um, when there wasn't a coffee shop on every corner and there wasn't a... Well, I worked for a, a pioneer. I, I worked for a pioneer in the coffee industry. Mm-hmm. John Conti, you know, opened his first coffee shop in um, Oxmoor Center on the second floor mezzanine on... December, if I remember correct, the 1st of 1975, if I'm, if I'm correct. Wow. That's going back a long time. Mm-hmm. But he uh, opened that first store there before Starbucks was even a twinkle in right. anybody's eye. Yeah. And he had espresso and he had, mm-hmm. you know, lattes and, you know, fresh baked goods. And he just was so ahead of the curve, it wasn't even funny. And... You know, he was a visionary. He saw where it could go. You know, he opened several retail shops, coffee shops. Um, and, you know, he decided at one point he wanted to become a roaster. And myself and a, the people that worked there were really encouraging about doing that. And mm-hmm. helped him dismantle several different coffee roasting facilities. I went up and oh. actually took them apart with a friend of mine, brought some stuff back. Um you now, know. that's not where this coffee cupping table came from, is it? No, this coffee cupping table came from New Orleans, Louisiana, out of a coffee roastery down there. And okay. it's a 100-year-old antique marble top cupping table. It pays 
uh, homage to, you know, m probably millions of cups of coffee have been cupped across this table. In fact, I have uh, the original cupping spoon from um, a guy named Albert who taught me how to cup when I was in my 20s. And he was in his probably 70s then, and he was a coffee cupper for the largest specialty coffee importer in the world, Westfelt Brothers out of New Orleans. And he cupped all the coffee for them, and he's the one that trained me. And I have his cupping spoon actually framed on our, on our brick... Uh, when you walk in the door, there's a brick fireplace chimney and his cupping spoons on there with a little letter. That's so, so special and personal. Yeah. I think, yeah. Wow. A lot of a lot of what we do in this business is very personal. Mm -hmm. It's a small family business. You know, when we did our logo design, mm -hmm. you know, I sat down at my art table at my house and I drew it on a canvas mm -hmm. and I put a circle out and I knew I wanted to include our wedding rings my wedding ring and then oh, my wife's wedding ring Mary? yeah Aww. and then I thought what's special about our family because I want it to be a family-oriented place and mm -hmm. there's four coffee beans the one on the top left is my grandfather Leo Joseph the one on the top right is my dad Leo William the one on the bottom uh you know, right is me, Leo Richard, and the one coming out of my wife's wedding ring is my son, Leo Joseph, oh. who's named after my grandfather and oh. will be the future of our company at some point. But Leo you know, the fourth, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so wow. that's different to have four Leos, yeah, and, it is. And uh, I wanted to include that in the logo, and then Fonte's at the top, mm -hmm. which my grandfather, who was a builder, Leo Joseph, always told me. You know, grandson, if you ever get your own business, put your name on it. It's like signing a check. You'll never let anybody down if your name is on the business. And I'm like, well, you know, it made a lot of sense to me. And so it had to be Fontes. And then, of course, what we do is coffee. And the tribute to our city of Louisville that we love, you know, we're five generations. We're a fifth-generation Louisville family. Wow. So they came through, you know, Ellis Island, my, my great-grandfather. and. Mm -hmm settled here but Montpellier F France is on the right the Fleur de Lay and on the left is the city of Louisville so it represents Louisville and then our sister city in, in France so you know things as small as our our logo there's a lot of thought and a lot of passion and a lot of um local heritage that went into the development of that local and global Yes, yeah, yeah, actually, yes. So where did your international experience come from? When did you go to Europe and experience these coffee houses that really gave you the vision to bring that here? Well, the the experience that I garnered, you know, what was great as a young man working for John Conti, you know, I told him in a meeting one day, I said, what is that plaque on the wall? And he said, Leo, it's a National Coffee Service Operator of the Year Award. And I said, really? And he he said, you know, out of... At the time, 2,000 coffee companies in America, you know, um, I received not one, but two. I'm the only person in the world to have two of those. Wow. I served as president of the National Coffee Association. And to oh. earn that, you have to serve on the Tri-State, the Midwest, and the National Board. And you have to work every seat on all of those. And I looked him in the eye as a 20-year-old kid, and yeah. I said, I'm going to get that award one day. And he looked at me kind of funny, and he said, "That do you realize what you, 
what you just committed to. And I kind of <laughs> how many la- years of service? Y- that yes, is. <laughs> yeah. I kind of laughed and and said, you know, yeah, I think so. You just explained it to me, and he <laughs> he said, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to fund your education for being so enthusiastic. And so he he got behind what? me and he got me involved in the Tri-State Coffee Association. He got me on the board and I served every seat on the Tri-State. And then I was asked to serve on the Midwest board and uh, went along and served every seat on the Midwest board. And I was asked to serve on the national. I served every seat on the national board. And by the time I became, you know, the incoming president, because of acquisition and merger of large companies gobbling up small companies, the association um, numbers had dwindled, oh. and we had to close the the office in Reston, Virginia, and move the staff into an association management company. I discovered a lot of this when I was the treasurer of the association. I told them, mm-hmm. "Here's the future. We're going to have to do some really serious changes." Yeah. And we had to find an association management company to take over the National mm-hmm. Coffee Association and the education pro- program. Mm-hmm. And so we rolled it up into a group out of Chicago on NAMA, uh, on Wacker Street named NAMA. And they um, were very cash flush. Um, They wanted to do great coffee education. And so today they still do a a lot of coffee education at NAMA. And um, that kind of created the education arm for the country. Um, So being involved in all that travel and all of those boards and associations and just serving the coffee industry, you know, locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally, that's how I got my exposure to, um, you know, all the coffee houses. And um, we got a lot of certifications through the Specialty Coffee uh, Association of America, SCAA, which is now the SCA, Especially Coffee Association of the World. It's a Whoa. world association. Started by a guy in California named Ted Lingle, who I know really well, and um, and has grown just unbelievably big. And now they're kind of the controlling association for the coffee industry worldwide. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the way I learned my, my education. You know, I was funded by a local businessman that was very successful and he invested in a young guy and gave me a passion and, um, you know, it's become my life's passion and, um, you know, very much, um, you know, consuming it. You know, when you love what you do, it's never work. And so you get up in the morning and you come in and you're excited about Mm -hmm doing what you're going to do and you're passionate about it. And much like the song that Seal wrote, Kiss from a Rose, there's a line in that that I absolutely, uh, you know, love that, uh, you know, he mentions that uh, it can become, you know, your passion can become an addiction mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and it's addiction that you can't uh, can't deny. And so with me, that's what coffee has become. It's definitely an addiction that I can't deny because I absolutely love it. I enjoy it. Um, it's really part of who I am as a person. Um, it's been in my heart and my soul for 44 years. And 
you know, I learn something new every single day. So it's not like it's you get to this point and now you know everything. No, it's not that way. It's you get to this point, you want to learn more. And so (laughs) that's the addiction part. You just become thirsty for knowledge and thirsty for, you know, understanding, you know, not only manufacturing techniques and way to make better coffees, way to enhance the flavors, way to find the sweet spot for every single coffee in the world. Um, That's why I have to laugh when they talk about third wave coffee houses that, you know, young people get involved in and they get started and they do a third wave coffee house and they believe that you can't roast any coffee over, you know, medium roast. And it's just such a fallacy because so many coffees in the world don't even start to develop to their full potential until they're roasted in the dark. As I was telling you earlier, the Sumatran coffees, you would never get the chocolate flavors or that rich, thick, syrupy mouthfeel that you get by roasting that medium roast or light roast. So there's just a lot of things that I think when you drill down on coffee and you look at the history of coffee and you pay homage to all the people that have come before you in the industry, um, you don't learn that overnight. You, you, no, it takes it's an experience. Yeah, after. it takes lots of years of just you know passion for your product to learn and understand history and um, you know coffee and the way it goes. So every morning is a is something new and different, and you know we really enjoy it. But we're we're working hard, you know, with the business every single day to. Um, expand, you know, the the business outside of the really the four walls of the coffee house. Mm-hmm. The coffee house will always be at the center of what we do. It's always like the, you know, the crown jewel in what we do, and we're really proud of it. But, you know, we're private label roasting now for over uh, 25 different coffee houses. Oh. So we're supplying... the. Our, with our that with, don't have their own roastery. Yes, so but they want to provide the same environment for. They want a level the experience. Yes, they want a real level of quality in the product that they serve. Mm-hmm. They want somebody that's going to come and help them. You know, understand the coffee business. So we consult a little bit with them and we help them uh, along the way. If there's questions we can answer, we help them. You know, with our knowledge base of so many years of doing it um but we provide them a really high-end you know really good coffee it's funny our our tagline for our coffee is really good coffee Mm -hmm. we never claim to be the best i think that's so kind of um almost uh, arrogant or meaningless if everyone's saying it really yes yeah really exactly it's like (laughs) come on how about just being real with people and tell them you know, you work hard every single day to develop a really good product. And that's yeah. that's really what we do. We work really hard every day to provide a really good product for people. And now we're doing it, as I said, for all these different uh, coffee houses that hang their shingle mm-hmm. on having really good coffee. And so... And you talked before about cupping. Can yes. You, can you define that for people who don't sure. know what you're talking about? They might think you're doing cupping massages yeah. or something. <laughs> no. <laughs> cupping, cupping in the coffee industry 
you know, can do a couple different things. But historically, what coffee cupping was historically brought to light for was to rate and grade coffees. So if I, if I sent for a request of some green coffee, let's just say, you know, I wanted some Sumatra Lake Tola 19 Ulos coffee. I send that request in, they send me the green coffee from the coffee buyer and, you know, it comes with a lot number and then you sample roast that and then you grind it and you put some in the bottom of the cup and you use 212 degree boiling water over the coffee and you you pour slowly and allow the coffee to form a crust uh that you then once the crust rises and it's there you blend it up really good and allow the grounds to soak and saturate and bring in all the all of the um, water so that they swell and they expand it's it's basically called the bloom and then they rise again and uh, they create another crust and once that crust is created, then you take a cupping spoon mm -hmm. and you go with the back of the spoon into the cup and you push back and you push back um, and then you pull forward and you bring forward a spoonful of coffee and you, you mm -hmm. slurp. You know, it's a very kind of not attractive sound, but you, <laughs> you slurp and spray the coffee all over the palate. Mm -hmm. And then you grade each aspect of the coffee. And, and you've you got these down. like flavor wheels here. Yes. Yeah. The coffee tasters flavor wheel is just a guide for people, you know, that don't fully understand coffee cupping. It gives them a very visual guide to be able to see what we're doing and when we rate it and, and when we talk about it. Did it this get, exist when John Conti was teaching you? No. Um, you <laughs> is know, this one of the educational products that this you guys is one, worked on in the associations? Yes, yes. Ted Lingle, um, you know, the executive director of the Specialty Coffee Association uh -huh. of America originally, <laughs> now of the world, world. <laughs> now a CA only uh -huh. of the world, um, he kind of got together with some people and they developed a lot of these you know, tools that you can use, scientific tools that you can use. They, you know, they created the Golden Cup standard, which is a way to measure total dissolved solids suspension and aqua solution. So what you're doing is you're measuring the amount of oils that you extract out of the coffee mm -hmm. into the water. And that gives you something that you can plot and, and graph mm. on a chart to see if it falls within the optimum balance range. So mm. if you use four ounces of coffee to brew a, um, a 64 ounce pot of coffee and you brew it at 202 degrees and you brew it at exactly three minute dwell time where it extracts, and you follow the line down from four ounces and you see where it intersects at 1,250, knowing that you have 200 TDS, total dissolved solids, in just the water alone. So your meter reads 1,450. You subtract the 200 because you take the water-based solids out and that leaves you with 1,250. And so you see where they intersect and it's right square in the center of the optimum balance window. And when you follow it down, it tells you that you've extracted 25% of the oils and it's a perfectly brewed cup of coffee. Wow. And so it's a science. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, what 
what we try to do is bring that science to life and to educate people about it and to let them know on the back of every single bag of coffee that we sell, there's an Agtron number. And what an Agtron is, it's a light spectrometer and it measures the amount of degree of roast color from light to dark. And it measures it well beyond what you can tell with the human eye. It's Mm -hmm. a very um, specific number that it gives you. And those numbers correlate with the um, SCA color tiles. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, here on the color flavor wheel. No, color tiles. There's a set of color tiles. If you see the little piece of paper that hangs on the... Oh, right Yeah, right there. It shows you the Agtron numbers and then the SCA color tile that that number falls within. Oh, and okay. so on the back of our bags, when we say it's a full city roast, which is the first of the dark roast mm-hmm. you know, characteristics, it actually assigns the number. So we know where in the full city range our coffees fall and we're that precise. And so, you know, we take it to a whole different level with the science of coffee mm-hmm. and the way that it's uh, not only roasted um, and the roast curves that we use and, you know, the special, you know, the special way that we roast. We we don't roast by wire. Just about everybody else in our... You say by wire? Yeah, just about everybody else in, in our area roasts by wire. In other words... They have their roaster connected to a laptop, uh, you know, and the laptop has a program in it. And the program controls the gas and the amount of oxygen that's introduced oh. into the roasting process. Mm-hmm. So the, the laptop's actually doing the roasting. And it's my content that if you need a laptop to roast your coffee, you're not much of an artisan roaster. In other words... <laughs> well. If you got to rely on an electronic device to do your roasting for you, you're not much of an artisan craft roaster. Craft roasting, artisan roasting, is about the experience. It's about being intimate with the machine, understanding the machine, hearing the machine, hearing the coffee, how it's interacting with the heat, watching the gas pressure, doing everything a roaster would do, uh, a computer would do, mm-hmm. only doing it visually and manually and becoming very in tune with the roaster, being part of the roaster, basically. Yeah. You become part of the process. And we teach all of our roasters how to artisan craft roast, and they don't need computers. It's, you know, the computers, they're great. We, we you know, in today's age, I think we depend on them way too much. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the artisan craftsmanship in several different industries has been diminished greatly by computers. And so, you know, we're doing it the old school, old fashioned way and teaching our guys how to truly artisan craft roast and and they're very, very good at it. And we back it up with science. Yes, definitely. With that Agtron light spec, that's what... But we don't actually want the robots to make the coffee for us. Exactly. (laughs) Even if they could, because we've scienced it so hard. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Now, what you have described has spanned some really big picture thinking and some really large scope implications for the world. But then you describe this intimate connection you have to the actual roasting. And in the cupping process, you have to be so 
mentally in the present moment. The way you've described this makes it sound almost like a mindfulness exercise. And it makes me think that it would be really good for your mental health (laughs) to do this. For mine, it is. I gotta tell you, I I thoroughly enjoy the process. I thoroughly enjoy the, uh, just the whole, the whole process from bringing in the best coffees from the world's best growing regions. We have a coffee right now that we're doing um, that is an amazing coffee um, from San Ignacio, Peru. And uh, it's a San Ignacio uh, Peruvian coffee that's farmed on a little farm. And the little farm is owned by a woman that grew up on a coffee farm. Her dad was a farmer. Not and, there, but yes, was, no, in Peru, same in, in Peru, not on the exact same finca or farm, but mm-hmm. you know, right in that same area. And wow. as she grew up and went to college, she decided she wanted to come back and be a coffee farmer. Yeah. And so she started a woman's co-op in, down there mm-hmm. in Peru, and uh, her name is Abita Quinde. And so her and her husband and her family work on their family farm on her family farm. She plants the trees, she goes out, she nurtures the trees for five years to get them to produce their first commercial crop. Mm-hmm. Eventually they produce a commercial crop. The interesting part about that is, you know, a tree, uh, you know, will produce about, you know, 3,500 cherries a year annually. And that produces about 7,000 seeds, coffee seeds. Mm-hmm. And those 7,000 coffee seeds equate to about one pound of coffee per tree per year. So that's it? That's it. Good grief. And it takes a lot of love and care. And Abita Quinde, she lovingly cares for her, her farm. She takes care of her trees. She harvests her product. She grades her product. You know, they clean the product, they bag the product, and they send it to us. And so it's a woman, it's a woman produced coffee from seed to actually cup. Because what we do here when we roast here to keep the that whole thing honest, mm-hmm. we take one of our young ladies who works here in the coffee house. And she goes over and works with our master roaster under their supervision, and they tell her what to do, and she roasts the coffee. And so it's actually planted by women, grown by women, harvested by women, roasted by women. And if the woman brews it at the house, (laughs) then it's seed to cup, a complete thing. And so that's the mindfulness that... You know, we use when we do the purchasing of the coffee. And the intentionality. It is. Yeah. It's very, very intentional. And we seek out those kind of things to bring forward um, at the coffee house. So we have a limited time offer coffee every single quarter that's very special that way. Is that like the Andrew Snorton one we were talking about? Is well, Andrew Snorton is a very, it, it won't be a limited time coffee. That'll be a in perpetuity coffee. You know, Andrew is a is a friend of mine that, you know, I met randomly, you know, I got a call from him one day and he said, you know, Mr. Fonte, my name's Andrew Snorton. I'm an author and I'm out of the Atlanta, Georgia area. And he said, I'm a big baseball fan. He said, I've got family in Louisville. I'm going to be coming to Louisville. I've got a brand new book out. I'd love to do a book signing at your cafe. And I, oh. I thought, you know what, that sounds amazing. And so 
I said, let's do it. And I got a chance to meet him. And it just, you know, goes to prove that, you know, people are the same everywhere. And, you know, I don't care what city you come from, what town you come from. You know, there's some really great people in every town. And when you click, you click. You do. And it just was one of those things that he and I really clicked when he came. And, you know, I followed him and I... He follows me, and we talk, and I'm super excited. He's going to be coming in Sunday uh, to do another book signing here. So I'm just thrilled to be able to see him again. Um, we've become friends, and we developed a, a blend of coffee together for him to sell called the Author's Blend, Author Andrew Snorton's Blend, and uh, it's going to be amazing. So we're super excited about that. Do you mind to describe to me how this blend represents your friendship? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, the coffee that the coffees that we chose are a medium coffee. In other words, it's not a dark roast, it's not a, a light roast, it's right in the center and kinda like where our friendship is, it's kinda right in the middle and you know, it's um uh, a full bodied coffee, it's got a nice finish. Um it's got a nice lingering t- taste. Um, you know, a lot of those things, you know, through the development of putting it together were things that we wanted to kind of do to mirror the relationship that we've had, we've got, um, you know, it's, it develops really nice in the cup. You know, it's great when it's first brewed. Um, it gets even better as it cools. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, well, that's not normal, is it? No, not really. <laughs> you don't always want to that's look pretty warm un- it's pretty unusual. It's pretty unusual to have a coffee that mm-hmm. actually develops that's really good but gets better as it cools. And so they say you know you're really close with someone when you can sit in silence together. That's the truth. And that sounds that's, like what you're describing. Well, you know, it's funny because him being in Atlanta and him traveling around, he's a big baseball guy. He's written mm-hmm. a book about baseball. You know, Major League Baseball, he's uh, he's just a really educated guy who is just so down to earth and brings a big heart to the table. I mean, he's <laughs> you sit down with Andrew and in five minutes you go, man, I really like this guy. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's really cool. It's neat to be able to do those kind of things. Yeah, and so. I love the personal connection that you have to this on every level. Yeah. And oh. it, even the parts that seem like they're just going to be really technical are really, like, emotionally, meant, like, meaningful to you. And yeah, they are. Yeah, I when it's your that. passion, again, you know, it's like I was saying earlier, it's you got to be truly careful because <laughs> it can consume you. And, mm-hmm. you know, it is definitely, as Seal says in his song, Kiss from a Rose, I absolutely love that line. <laughs> you know, it's a growing addiction that I cannot deny, and it truly is. And mm-hmm. every day you get up and you go, wow, you know, it's how did I find what I wanted to do so early and be mm-hmm. blessed to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. A lot to be thankful for. Oh, yes. Yeah. Thankful for my grandkids. Yeah. You know, Luke, uh, my oldest grandson is six. And, you know, Lily, my, my granddaughter, you know, she's uh, four, five. And then Lucy is going to be three. Wow. So, you know, have three grandkids that we love dearly and uh, get a chance to see them. We have drinks here named after all three of the grandkids. <laughs> and the yeah. drinks are... are crafted along with their personalities uh so lily lily is as sweet as you can be she's just such a 
a petite, you know, girly girl who's just a sweet little girl. And so her drink is with honey and lavender and espresso, and it's just really good. So it kind of really is part of her personality, I think. Um, Luke, he can be a bit salty. You know? <laughs> so he's a young man, and he's just uh, he's a swimmer, and he's a great kid. Um, we love him so much, but he's going to tell you what's on his mind if, okay. if you listen. So he uh, he can be a bit salty. So salted caramel mm-hmm. is the main ingredient in the Luke latte here. Oh. And, um, our youngest granddaughter, Lily, like I said, who's turning three, mm-hmm. we made her drink Rose because we just didn't quite figure her personality out because she was mm-hmm. so young. But now I'm, I'm, I'm really getting a vibe for her personality oh, more. Okay. And I think she's going to go the salty direction. Oh, too. Hmm. So, will it be a salted caramel rose? That'll yeah. Be interesting. <laughs> we got to come up with one for her, but okay. Yeah, so we. We truly try to be intentional in everything that we do here. Well, I really appreciate that. And it has just been a joy to get to know you, Leo. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for making the time to come on a Friday afternoon to in a beautiful fall fall day. I mean, uh, this time of year is glorious. Mm -hmm. Well, it's getting better every day. So thanks for being with us on the Lou Review. If yeah. you have not been to Fonte's Coffee, definitely come check it out in person. You can buy it um, pretty soon at, are we going to tell people? Yes. Secret? Yes. Uh, it's going to be available at Paul's Market. Paul's Fruit Paul's Market Fruit will Market. be the first place to carry our product outside of the four walls of our coffee house. Um, in addition to the special blends you have at Angel's Envy. Correct. And yes. And Michter's. Do and you have any others that I didn't sure, overhear about? Sure. Yeah. We, uh, we're doing a lot with, uh, you know, the bourbon industry being a Kentucky boy and, uh, you know, being born and raised here. Bourbon's such a big part of who we are as people in Louisville. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah, we're doing, Two different coffees for Angel's Envy. We're doing an Angel's Envy rye and an Angel's Envy bourbon. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of, you know, thought and effort that's gone into those coffees as well. And that's Do- a roast that people can take home and grind Correct. themselves. Correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Buy them at Angel's Envy. You go down there and mm-hmm. visit them and take a tour of the place and pick a bag up. And mm-hmm. the same with Mictors. You know, mm-hmm. I, we worked with Joe. Um, he... He has one of the oldest bourbon brands in, in, in the world. Yes. And Michter's, you know, was around when George Washington was fighting. Whoa, and, I didn't realize it was that old. Yeah, what? you know, he's an amazing businessman. Joe, and, and the city owes him a great deal of gratitude. He took the Fort Nelson building down there, which yeah. is one of the most architecturally significant buildings on the whole Main Street row and completely renovated it and it's beautiful and if you haven't been to that Fort Nelson distillery that um, Joe and his team at Michter's put back together for the city of Louisville Mm -hmm. it's gorgeous and what he's gifted the city of Louisville by doing that is amazing just going down there to see the architectural beauty of this building it's just it's moving and the product that they do in there is amazing the quality of it so yeah, we, we're doing, we're proud to do two different coffees for them as well, a rye and a bourbon coffee. Uh, we're doing Yellowstone coffee for Limestone Branch Distillery. Oh, wow. Um, which is a nice, uh, you know, boutique roastery, small ba- or small batch uh, mm-hmm. distillery in Lebanon, mm-hmm. uh, owned by um, 
started by my friend Steve Beam, mm-hmm. and my brother Steve Fonte is the uh, bourbon brand ambassador for Yellowstone. Oh, Steve on Steve. It, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we've got Rebel Yell with uh, Luxro that we do. We have uh, the Barrel Stave Company uh, that's out that way that we do the the coffee for them. Wow. So it's... Uh, we're we're growing we're growing in a lot of different directions and areas yeah. and it's a blessing. Well that is utterly fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, if you have not already, stay tuned to the Lou Review podcast to hear um even more interviews in the Louisville area. Subscribe for notifications and follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Lou Food Reviews and we'll see you in the next episode.